0: You're listening to Wander and Roam. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Wander and Roam. This is Addison Radel. I'm Zach Barry.
1: I'm Alex Bryan.
2: And my name is Soren.
0: We have started this podcast... We wanted to create a podcast that was nice, relaxing, chill, storytelling podcast for people to listen to as they fall asleep. We've done that by creating a podcast set in the world of Wanderhome. Wanderhome is a role-playing game, very narrative-based, and we've all kind of fallen in love with this over the past couple of years. We'll get into Wanderhome in more detail in a moment. Let's let you get to know us. My name is Addison. By day, I am a scheduler at a solar company, and by night, I am an actor and musician with the Grassroots Shakespeare Company and an RPG nerd.
3: I'm Zach Barry, and I am a filmmaker and an editor. So, I'm very excited for this. Yeah, Wanderhome is one of the most therapeutic role-playing experiences of my life, and so, dude, this is this is awesome. I'm excited.
1: Hello, my name is Alex. Uh, By day, I am an optics operator, and by night, I am a giant nerd. Well, I shouldn't say by night. I mean, always. Always, I am a nerd. (laughs) I uh, (laughs) love tabletop RPGs. I've been playing since high school, college, back in the day. Oh, gosh, I sound so old, but um, (laughs) I just... We are old, it's oh, fine. Oh gosh, so
0: old. Almost a decade ago. <laughs> College is a decade Ooh, ago. I hate <laughs> that so much, but
1: I love just playing with friends. It's great.
2: All right, and my name is Soren. Uh, I'm a semi-pro classical actor and improv comedian. Um, and genius. Uh, well, thou sayest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Soren was actually our introduction to Wanderhome. He was the first one who, at our role-playing game night on Sunday night, was like, guys, I got this great game, and I want to play it with you. Can you tell us a bit about it, Soren?
2: Wanderhome is a tabletop RPG, similar to Dungeons & Dragons, in format, but in spirit, it's very different. It's much more pastoral, fairy tale vibe, sort of like, if you read Redwall, it's a little bit like that but less mean, less, less violent. Wonderhome was created by J Dragon.
0: And that's actually one of the cool core concepts to this game is that years ago, there was a horrific war. And since then the people are tired of war and violence and it doesn't exist. There is no war, there is no violence. The people live in relative harmony. And uh, hopefully one day, we will live in as well.
3: By taking out the violent aspects of like, see, I mean, like, everybody loves fighting in Dungeons and Dragons, but I think that when it comes to storytelling, when you take that aspect away, you have to find other things to fill it. And I think that's really where Wanderhome really shines.
0: Today we're going to see a brief introduction to each of our characters' lives. Do we want to go around and give a brief physical description of our characters and then get them into these introductory stories?
3: Let's do it. Sounds good.
0: I'm Addison. I'll be playing Aldern Feathersby. Aldern is an older owl. His once sleek feathers are now worn with age, a little bit frazzled. He wears a brown leather blazer that's also worn. It's got uh, patches sewn on the elbows and the buttons are kind of falling off a bit as well as gold-painted spectacles, and he carries a brown and gray messenger bag.
3: I'm Zach Barry, and I'll be playing Squeaker's Onassis. He is a, <laughs> a mouse with a long, long tail, almost too long for his body. He wears a, an old duster and a wide-brim hat, travels with his, uh, his trusty steed, fastest six legs in this here part of the world, Named Cracker Jack. <laughs>
1: <laughs> adorable. Um, I'm Alex Bryan, and I will be playing Raindrop Quackers, who is a cute, adorable little duckling. She is so sweet and so lovable. Uh, she wears a purple bellflower flower as a hat. She has a cloak unsuitable for the weather, but it looks really cool, and aesthetic is key for her. (laughs) She also has a satchel made of very eclectic beads that she's collected. Wrapped around, she likes the shiny, and it doubles as a bag, you know? Versatility also is key.
2: (laughs) Alright, I'm Soren. I'll be playing Hamish. Hamish is a large, black groundhog graying at the temples. He wears a beat-up, old red wool hat and some patchwork overalls around his neck there's a a whistle no one quite knows what the whistle is for hamish is always surrounded by 100 bumblebees
3: it's a lot of bumblebees
0: (laughs) exactly 100 bees
2: not a one more not a one less And with that
0: we'll jump on into our stories. Alder and the Feathersby stands in an empty bedroom in a silent house. He is an old owl. His once sleek brown feathers are now gray and worn with age. He wears a brown leather blazer, the elbows patched and buttons dangling from thread, and a pair of thick, scratched gold spectacles. Aldern Shoulders' his blue and grey messenger bag and opens the door. On the way down the hall, his eyes fall upon a beloved picture, capturing he and his wife Mary in the shade of an apple tree. Something stirs within the picture, and from the boughs of the tree flutters a bird. The bird exits the frame and lands upon Alden's shoulder. Examining the bird, it appears to be almost flat and painted. He smiles and says, Who are you, little one? And the bird tweets in response. It is called Aya and it is the small and forgotten god of a misplaced kiss. They need his help to find another loving couple upon whom to bestow their blessings and Alden is happy to oblige. As he leaves the home, he finds more tiny gods in his once boisterous dwelling. Dulcet, the god of tiny melodies, lives within the piano where he taught his children to play. Seneth, the god of a single sunbeam, on the rug where his pet grasshopper used to nap on sunny afternoons. Yacht, the god of a child's first snowfall, lives in the window panes from where he watched his children frolic on a winter's day. Climbing down the stairs, he hears something stir and rustle beneath the aged wooden steps. He peeks under and nearly recoils. Within is a small, shadowy being, about the size of a fist, wild and feral. Aldern does not recognize this god as he had the others. It nips at him, and Aldern recoils intent to leave, but as he does, he hears a whimpering. Turning, the small and feral nameless god has followed a distance. Aldern hesitates, but bends down and reaches out a tentative hand. The nameless god approaches, slowly, but eventually, warily, settles into his palm. Aldern Feathersby, caretaker of small and forgotten gods, makes his way down the road.
3: Squeaker's Onassis rode on the back of Cracker Jack along a long and dusty road. It wasn't but three days ago that he was exiled from his hometown of Stuperville, which was so named due to it being founded by one Marvinville near Fourscore and some years ago. Now, to the business about the exiling, island. not nothing. You see, Squeaker's had found himself accused of the high crime of betraying traditions and, during a subsequent trial, lying under oath. Now, Squeakers would be the first to tell you that the only crime that he was guilty of was falling in love with the wrong person at the wrong time. And perhaps a bit of grand larceny on account of the rose that he stole out of Mrs. Percy's yard to give to Susie. But none of that mattered now, because what's done is done. I guess all that was left for a cowboy to do was keep pressing forward down the dusty trail.
1: The fire cackles and dances merrily in the fireplace, providing just enough light for Raindrop to see the beautifully illustrated pages of her favorite storybook. Nestled amongst her mother and siblings in a sea of snoring cotton balls, Raindrop is the last one awake and completely enthralled. The end came way too quickly, and even her polite requests for another story were met with denial. (sighs) Off to bed she was sent. However, when she was sure the family was asleep, Raindrop sneaks out of bed and waddles to the book. Removing it from the shelf, she grabs her box of crayons and makes a few colorful additions. The brave hero was now accompanied by an equally brave, nay, braver duckling named Raindrop, who also longed for adventure. The next day, Raindrop grabs the book and waddles off to school. She was eager to show her friends both the story and her part in it. Amidst the throng of chatter and laughter from the other kids at recess, Raindrop begins searching for her friends, only to bump into the notorious school bullies. They quickly snatch the book, roughly tearing through the pages and notice the recent drawings. With hoots of laughter, they make fun of her art, spectating that she would be a horrible hero. How could she, who is so foolish and naive, ever hope to travel new lands and defeat evil? With a final cackle, they toss the book into the bushes and walk away. Dejected, Raindrop climbs into the bushes in search of the book, and hears a soft, tinkling sound. Moving a branch aside, Raindrop discovers a small, purple light. There, a small and forgotten god lay in the twigs. I think you could be a hero if you wanted, says the light. My name is Sidi, and I would love to accompany you on a journey to prove them wrong. Raindrop agrees.
2: Far away in the north country, atop an old hill, in an old castle, sits an old groundhog hiding. A storm rages outside and he hears a faint buzzing some distance away. His name is Hamish. Recently, Hamish's estranged brother Hector passed away, and by some sort of insect intuition, Hector's swarm of bees have found Hamish and claimed them as their own. Hamish has run from the forest to the city to the tops of the mountains to get away, but to no avail, he every time he turns, fumbles bumbles everywhere. Now in the halls of this decrepit mansion, he seems to be alone. He seems, but he is not. A few steps forward, a few steps back, a few steps to the side, and Hamish, catching his foot on a loose stone, tumbles down an old, narrow staircase of which he was woefully unaware. Tumbling down the stairs, he reaches the bottom, opens his eyes, and sees a glimmering pile of gold. Eager for this opportunity, Hamish scrambles, but as he pulls away the coins, what is revealed shocks him. Underneath the pile of old Old currency is an old, old man, so old in fact that all remains is bones. All is bones, and all bones is a alone'. Hamish looks down and looks up and heaves a heavy sigh as the buzz comes down the stairs and he is lifted up and he is carried out and 100 bees carry Hamish across the sea.
0: Next week on Wander and Rome. The small and forgotten god Seneth scampers through the branches of the trees above, chasing the last of their sunbeam higher towards the coming twilight. Through the thick trees ahead, one can see a clearing in the woods. Dozens of fireflies buzz around the glen, revealing a carnival teeming with life. Rows of children queue for rides on the backs of shiny black beetles, barkers. Frogs in tiny little vests and top hats wander the ground selling tickets for rides and other attractions. The music of street performers fills the air with excitement, and the smell of cotton candy, popcorn, and more fair foods wafts on the wind. Of the dozens of tents set up in the Glen hosting various shops and games, the most prominent stands in the center a massive tent, human sized among all the others, with a large marquee for the girl with a thousand masks. Welcome to the Mist Glen Carnival. Music for Wander and Rome is written and performed by Gary Argyle.
1: Wander and Rome is produced by Winterhawk Podcasts. For more great shows, visit winterhawkpodcasting.com.